This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's Friday. January 13th, 2023. It is a joy to be with you today. Yes, you hear my copy. You're going in the background. I'm looking for more information for all of you. We're going to be talking with Dr. Shanina Knighton about this contaminated water throughout the United States. What can you do to ensure that your water is clean, is sterile? That's increasingly a problem and not just in Flint, in New York City, in Chicago all over the place. We're going to be talking about George Santos. I want to take your calls today here on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Call me. Call me today. I want to know what you think should happen with George Santos. The challenge with him is that, for Republicans, would be is that he's in a flippable district. It's blue, it's red. It's blue, it's red, it's blue, it's red. It flips more often toward the Democratic side. They're afraid of losing that seat, right? They've got this razor-thin margin. But he's told so many falsehoods. He just, we don't even know if that's his real name, quite frankly. He went from being broke to being a millionaire. I mean, just like that. And then, of course, what's happening with the Biden documents? John Nichols will be returning uh, to speak with us at the bottom of the next hour. Uh, he said, and he's a died-in-the-wool progressive. Everyone's pulling for President Biden to make it. But he said, look, um, this is going to be a problem. And it has mushroomed into a problem. Of course, the first batch of documents uh, were discovered just before the midterms. That's created some dis- some, sus- some suspicion with a lot of people. Um, and what was now we find out he had some documents at home. Now, let's be clear. Uh, People like Vice President and now President Biden, President Obama, even President Trump, they're not going to be moving their documents around. They don't even carry them. They have someone who's going to do that. That that was always my point with President Trump. you got a chain of command here. But what do you think is going to happen here? What will be the political fallout? And what do you think about all of this? Call me at 773-763-9278-773. 763-WCPT. I want to know your thoughts about George Santos and these Biden documents. This is becoming a big, 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 big story. Friday, January 13th, 2023, but it's a great day. We don't believe in bad luck, everybody. Believe in challenges, but not bad luck in Chicago. 33 degrees will be the high. Snow showers. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 21 degrees, partly cloudy. In the NFL this weekend, we've got these wild card games. Ooh, we're getting closer to the Super Bowl. The Seahawks will be playing the 49ers, and the Chargers will will be playing the Jaguars. In the NBA, we're going to have a great night tonight in Chicago. The, uh, oh my goodness, let me see, wait a minute. And the Suns will be playing the Timberwolves, and the Bulls will be playing the Thunder. And in the NHL, Chicago 3, Avalanche 2, the Wild 3, The Islanders won, everybody. Everyone is mourning the death of Lisa Marie. We grew up with Lisa Marie Presley. She she died of a cardiac arrest, 54 years of age. And, of course, we cannot forget uh, this opinion piece that she wrote about the suicide of her son just a couple of months ago, just a few months ago, in which she was just saying you could hear the heartbreak. and, And I guess her heart finally did break. 
sending much love to her mother, to her children. My goodness. It's a very, very painful situation and so shocking. We just saw her at the Golden Globes just a couple of days ago celebrating uh, her father's movie, which has gone on to tremendous acclaim, 54 years of age. Lisa Marie Presley, the only daughter of the late Elvis Presley, who died Thursday after, after suffering an apparent cardiac arrest. Powerful storms are moving across the U.S., even in Selma, Alabama. Wow, everybody. And you saw these people in Selma just praising God for having survived it. Widespread damage, havoc that has been wreaked on millions of people in the South. A severe weather outbreak reportedly spawned at least 35 tornadoes, everybody, yesterday. Sending residents running for cover from the fierce winds. Alabama, Georgia, at least seven people, including a child, were killed, sending them much love and many, many, many prayers. President Joe Biden is now facing a special counsel investigation after Obama-era classified files were formed found at his private office in Washington and in his home in Wilmington, Delaware. The discoveries have launched a bevy of Republican congressional inquiries now that the GOP has control over the House of Representatives. On Thursday, Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed a special counsel to take over the investigations. The, the sheer greed is obscene, everybody. After you paid, after we, the American people, paid to get these vaccines developed, guess what? Moderna plans a 4,000% price hike, a markup for the COVID vaccine. Can you believe it? Somewhere between $100 and $130 per dose. Wow. What do you think about that? Call me at 773-763-9278. And then uh, Bob Spindell, chairman of the 4th Congressional District GOP and a member of the Wisconsin Elections Committee, gloated in an email to thousands of Republicans, quote, that we can be especially proud of the city of Milwaukee. Mm, 80% of the Democratic vote, casting 37,000 less votes than cast in the 2018 election, with the major reduction happening in the overwhelmingly black and Hispanic areas. His resignation is being demanded as this Wisconsin GOP official boasts of suppressing the black and Hispanic vote. 11 new GOP picks for the House Financial Oversight Committee have taken over, uh, took over $6.1 million from Wall Street. As corporate Democrats are going to vote, going to bat for the bloated Pentagon budget, there are now new reports talking about the food insecurity, that is the hunger among our soldiers, the enlistees. And those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. We've got Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams. I see you, sis, is her book. you got to get it, everybody. You must, 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 must get it. Let us be blessed by this great woman of God this morning. And we've got to give a special shout-out to my girl, Carol Soskin. Carol, I've been a little late. I just found your Christmas card to me, my Jewish sister, and happy Hanukkah to you. I just love you, girly, and I'll be out in California, and when I get out to L.A., I'm going to give you a call. Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams, sending you much love this morning. What is the good news? Good morning, Santita. Good morning, everyone. So glad to be on the show again today. It's always a joy. Today, I want to talk about how to apply pressure. How to apply hmm. pressure. We talk about pressure when we talk about CPR, applying pressure to a wound to stop bleeding, all of those things. But when we look at the Urban Dictionary version of what it means to apply pressure, it means letting someone know that you want them. And more specifically, not only that you want them, but you're going to make it really difficult for them to say no. 
And when I consider biblical narratives and biblical personalities from the threshold to the threshing floor, no one was more proficient or had a propensity for applying pressure than Ruth. Ruth was a master at applying pressure. Her extraordinary faithfulness toward her mother-in-law, Naomi, upon her departure for Bethlehem, reveals Ruth's partiality for pressing and persuasion as a pattern that is strewed even beyond the most early pericopes of the text. Ruth urges Naomi, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. And interestingly, it would seem that this is a trait that Ruth learned from her mother-in-law. For just as Ruth presses Naomi for the privilege to press on, Naomi presses Ruth to return. And in response to this push and pull, Ruth provides us some peculiarities when it comes to applying pressure that I like to call pressure points. And one of the main pressure points when it comes to pressing for what we want is that pressure must be pursued. You have to go after it. According to Dr. M. Masenia, the patriarchal Israelite context, women's social economic position was connected with the men that they were married to or the men that they were raising. Therefore, the death of their husbands and sons signified the start of Ruth and Naomi's struggle for survival in the face of scarcity, deficiency, and poverty. Santita, they were facing two pandemics, no meals and no men. And mm. Ruth is this person of the phrase, we live in a pressure cooker. I know I'm talking to somebody today. A pressure cooker is based on the principle that the boiling point of water increases with the increase in pressure. And as it builds, it increases the pressure in the vessel. In other words, any situation, job, assignment, or relationship where a person is faced with urgent responsibilities or demands by other people, constant deadlines, or hectic work schedule can make one feel like they're in hot water and they're about to blow their top. Who am I talking to today? You feel it flaring up under the pressure of your financial failures. You're about to explode from the pressure of unrealistic expectations. You feel like you're going to rupture under the pressure of past regrets. Well, I want to tell somebody when you come to that pressure point, it's time to pursue a different path. And you don't need anyone else's permission to do it. As it seems in the text, it's almost as if Naomi started walking and Ruth started walking right behind her. She tells them to go back to their mother's house. But we see here that Ruth is already gone. So maybe she thinks, why stop? Like that wasn't the plan. Don't miss it. Ruth says, don't press me to leave you or turn back from following you. And yet we never see Ruth seek permission from Naomi. She just starts pursuing Naomi. I've said something here because someone on this line right now is waiting on permission when you just need to start pursuing. You've already got the plan. You already know what to do. You've already created the blueprint. And so the question is, what are you waiting for? You need to start walking. Is there anybody here willing to take the first step? I know it's cliche, but I found it to be true that when you take one step, God will mm. take two. But I'm looking for people who are ready to start walking. You don't need their approval or their appreciation. Start walking. You don't ask for their opinion or their outlook. Start walking. You're deaf to their criticisms and their consternation. Start walking. And I can tell you this. If you have the courage to walk it out, God has the power to work it out. You can't press anything that you're not passionate about. So who today is going to continue to press and walk toward what God has for you? It's time to take the first step. 
If you walk it out, God will work it out. And that's the good news. Amen. You were preaching to me this morning, I tell you that. Thank you so much for that. I see you, sis. If you want to be blessed, get that book and get it for some other people, too. I see you, sis. My pastor, Tisha Dixon-Williams. Boy, are they blessed to have you in Bridgehampton, New York. Sending you so much love today. But you know what, pastor? Stick around. I want you to hear this. We I reached out to uh, Dr. Shanita Knighton. And, of course, I bumped into the organization that she heads. <laughs> they are giving advice on infection prevention. It's the largest organization of its type, infection preventionist and epidemiologist in the world. But you know what we have? We were always looking at Flint, Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams. And let me direct this to you, Dr. Shanita Knight. And we've been looking at Flint, the water. It's terrible. But we've got, an ar- we've got arsenic in the water in, in, um, in New York. We have real water problems all over the country. How can we be assured that our water is good? Good morning. So from good morning. You can't know if your water is good because I don't know about you, but I'm not a water treatment specialist. Right, which is the unfortunate thing because the vulnerability that we all have to each other is so overwhelming, you know, in regards to what it is we, we, we trust, right? So, for example, I trust, you know, let's say waste management to do their job. I trust, you know, let's say the FDA to do their job. I trust the people, you know, the civil engineers that work on bridges and construction to make sure that that bridge is safe in order for me to be able to cross it. But there's a relentless amount of vulnerability that we have in wanting others to do their job. So it's a it's a codependency that we have in ways, right? Like it, when I do my job, that means that people don't have to worry about infections, which is why people hadn't heard about infection prevention up until, you know, recently. Because it was something that ended up impacting people's lives. But up until now, you had a whole group of professions that specialized in making sure that it didn't impact people's lives. So what does that mean when we're looking at water? So one of the things that's interesting, and many people don't know this, is that water is challenging at times to be able to filter out, meaning that you may have a mindset or you may have a goal to be able to keep yourself safe, but if the water itself can only filter out so many particles, that means that it's only so much it can do. For example, a few years back, they found that literally the water was contaminated with about 60% of opioids, um, antipsychotics, anti, you know, just, just, opioids, antipsychotics, all kinds of medications that couldn't be filtered out because what happens is is people are flushing them inside of the water system. When they're putting them inside of the water system, you would say to yourself, like, okay, how are they getting there? But think about it. We only have drug collection days a couple times per year, which means that people are on medications more than just those two times per year. You then have individuals that, let's say someone is on hospice or someone dies at home, 
What do you think happens to those medications? Older adults, which experience polypharmacy, which is the ability to be on a whole bunch of meds at one time or more than one med at one time, the system was so broken in that if, let's say, you went and you got depression meds, but then you switched over to another healthcare system or you ended up getting admitted, Instead of them going and saying, get your meds from home or make sure you bring them from home or someone going to get them from home or them prescribing them based off of what it is they know you have, they keep giving you a whole new prescription. A lot of people are on auto mail order and are not complying with their medication. What happens is all of those things end up going inside of the water. You also have the issue when it comes to agriculture is that, yes, it is healthy to grow food, but if people are using pesticides and chemicals to be able to do so, if we know that chicken, okay, um, can contain arsenic. No, people don't want to hear that, but things can contain arsenic, and when it runs off of dirt and it runs into the same water streams, there's only but so much that a waste treatment can be able to detect. Mm. So... That is why a lot of that happens in regards to us having chemicals in the water. And so when they put, when they trace it or they do traces of it, that's how they're able to find it. And I don't know if you remember, but even last year, and I'm not talking about this being in clean water, but I'm just saying this in sewer water, they were able to look at COVID levels based off of the sewage. And the level of contamination that they were able to find in regards to COVID. So they knew which areas had high concentrations of COVID versus those that did it just by looking at the water sewage. So there's there- a lot of things that water can tell us. Mm-hmm. Which is one reason why we have to be cautious when we go places, what we're drinking. Yes. So, no, it's not always the solution, but it is one of those things of, like, what am I drinking and who's treating it? And, Santita, it goes back into what you talk about all the time in regards to knowing who your officials are, speaking with your officials, and making sure that we are holding people accountable for what it is they need to do. Well, just very quickly, I've got about a minute left. You know, uh, Grandma used to boil water. <laughs> You know, and Dick Gregory said, don't trust all the bottled water because you don't know who bottled it, where the water came from. It could have come from the tap. All of that. Right. So help me. What should we I mean, should we start boiling our water? I mean, just to be a little safe. I mean, how, what do you do? My great grandmother also used to put water. You know, you, this predates you. You used to get uh, your milk delivered to you and it would come at a glass um, jar. And she would put water in there and put it in the refrigerator. Um, she just never believed in just taking water straight from the tap. One minute it belongs to you. So many people have many different remedies. And the thing is, is the thought is that when they boil it up to a certain temperature for a certain period of time and then cool it down, it will have to, it can kill the germs. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it may be able to kill some of those germs, which is helpful. But then when you're talking about the cooling process and the storm process, are you being clean enough to not cause any sort of contamination as well? So these are measures that can uh, help. 
because I always bring up the individuals that sometimes we do not think about the fact that, yes, we might have killed the germs in the process of it boiling, but are we killing the germs when we're transferring it? Are we killing the germs when it comes to the storage, meaning what we're storing it in? And so there's multiple factors, there's multiple steps here that we have to take into account. Hmm. Dr. Shanina Knighton, hey, Dr. Nina, hey, Dr. Nina, at hey, Dr. Nina, that is her handle. She always gives us such great information. Love you so much, Dr. Nina. Coming up, George Santos, everybody, and the Biden documents. There's a lot going on in politics. I want to hear from you at 773-763-WCPT. What do you make of all of this? Should George Santos be forced to resign? He said, if the 142,000 people in my district want me out, I'll leave. Until then, not. But did you know that it's a flippable Democratic district? Wait, these folks will do anything to hold on to power. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. January 26th, we will be hosting here at WCPT a mayoral debate. The candidates will be there. You need to be there, too. We'll be on every platform. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be fantastic. Patty Vasquez, Joan Esposito, and Santita Jackson will be moderating this debate, this discussion about what it is that you want. Uh, And so please, 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 please send me some questions. Let me know what you want to talk about. What really concerns you um, in this mayoral race? I cannot believe it's been four years already, but it has been. And, um, and we need to know what you want to know. Reach out to me, everybody, on the Santita Jackson and Friends Facebook page and on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. And please be there right now, sending my love to Chris Keyes, generally in South Africa, my favorite Morehouse man, but he is stateside, I think, for a hot second today. Of course, tell everybody about us when you get back home to South Africa, my dear, beloved brother. Everybody, before we bring up Shapiro Wells and... You get these, um, ooh, I get these vittles for Super Bowl and Valentine's Day and all of that. Uh, we're going to be talking about President Biden and the top secret classified documents that have been found in his office in Washington and at his home in Wilmington, Delaware. Even John Nichols said, this is not good. So I want to know what your thoughts are. Call me at 773-763-9278. And I'm just throwing something else at you, George Santos. George Santos, the congressman from uh, from New York, uh, Nassau County, just outside of New York City. He is everything about his background is a complete fabrication. And yet he was able to take the seat, made the white power sound that signed as he was getting sworn in. He said he's biracial. That's not true. He said his mother, he said he was Jewish. That's not true. Everything's not true. And he was broke and now he's rich. It happened overnight, and so I want to know, should he be seated? Republicans are saying, more and more Republicans who are not in Congress, and some who are in Congress are saying, no, let him, we got to get rid of him. But it's very telling that for power, they're willing to take someone who's so 
such a troubling figure. So call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Uh, Shapiro Wells, we're coming up on the Super Bowl. We've got the wild card games this weekend, and Super Bowl is almost here. Rihanna is ready to perform for the first time in years and years and years. The people get their vittles from you. Celebrations by us. Yes, celebrations by us. You up and ready to take your Super Bowl orders as well as also your everyday orders. So don't hesitate to give us a call, 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We can handle your greens, your green beans, your mozzarella, your mac and cheese, your wings, your sliders, your uh, smothered chicken, your smothered uh, beef. Whatever it is that you need, we can handle it all. So give us a call at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Benita. Blessings to you, Shapiro Wells. Well, let's get right to it, everybody. This story about President Biden and these classified documents, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Of course, the first tranche was related to Ukraine and Iran and Iraq, and indeed, Ukraine is the is the subject over which President Trump was impeached for the first time. And so, I just want to know: it's just because we keep getting back to Ukraine, keep getting back there. Now we're at war over there. But this is from 2013 to twenty sixteen. What's going on? What do you think about these documents? And what about all these documents that just keep top secret documents that keep leaving with the people who held office? I mean, I think that's a big issue, too, Um, because Republican and Democrat, it's clear that that's what they do. Call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. So I'm taking your question or your comments about George Santos. I can't answer any questions. I don't think he can either. Bless his heart. And uh, Vice President Biden, we have got Daryl Jones, chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition. And you know what? Attorney Jones, we're going to pivot to Dwight McKee because he predicted that this would be this bad. And he foresaw this coming. He said, when the Republicans come in, all bets are off. We don't even know how the documents got there. But, I mean, my goodness. Dwight McKee, what's your read on all of this? Well, good morning, you all. But basically, at some levels, you have to blame the Democrats for this. Because they made what was a major issue a bigger issue in their pursuit to try to take use this to take Trump out. And by elevating the issue, they really put Biden in the path of a backlash. So now, whether by hook or by crook, by accident or on purpose, they found these documents at his house. Now that issue is magnified. And he's under more scrutiny, and there has been a demand for a special investigator, only because now there has to be reciprocity, because the Democrats demanded it on Trump. And Garland, in this question, at least look consistent, now has to name somebody to investigate uh, the vice president on these issues. I see a couple of problems for everybody in this. One is that they're trying to make this an issue about uh, volume. But the fact of the matter is Biden, as the vice president, didn't have the legal authority to have to be, have access 
to some of these papers in the first place, or at least to declassify them, as going to be Trump's argument. Secondly, uh, when Biden is, uh, when you look at the content and find out the content has so much to do with Iran and Iraq and the Ukraine and the fact that Biden Jr., uh, Hunter Biden, has been locked into a situation of pay-to-play in the Ukraine, or at least accused of many of pay-to-play. And Biden, as vice president, went over there and neutralized the investigation that that can be a real conflict of interest and a real problem, particularly coming out of the fact that Biden has been so supportive of the war in the Ukraine. Uh, Mm -hmm. You also have to look at what other information that Trump may have access to through Putin, because I'm sure that Russia has done its own uh, due diligence in its own spine in this case. And I would not be surprised if they, in uh, Trump's behalf, made some of the information that they've investigated available to the world press. And so I think this thing can get, it's going to get very, very complicated and may take Biden out as an option for the next campaign, the presidential candidate. Wow. Robert Patillo, you, of course, Rainbow Push, but you're also, you've been hosting on WAOK, the iconic radio station, uh, Black Talk radio station out of Atlanta. Uh, are people concerned about this? And what's your, first of all, what is your take on this? Well, on this particular easy. issue? Because we've got George Santos and we've got this running at the same time. Well, no, this the is the worst Biden. possible time. Yeah, this is the worst possible time uh, for this to happen for President Biden, primarily because we're supposed to, the national story right now is supposed to be on how crazy the Republicans are and how incompetent the Republicans are. We're supposed to be talking about how they can't run a Congress, how they got lying George Santos and all those things. And all the attention immediately got taken off of all that. It gives them time to kind of recoup, put things back together after that ridiculous speech. Vote uh, and, and try to put you know, cobble together a governing majority. Secondarily, as uh, Dwight says, it takes one of the major quivers uh, or arrows out of the quiver that Democrats had when it came to uh, you know the uh, the uh, good governance, competent governance uh, argument that they were making against President Trump um, and making such a big deal about the uh, Espionage Act, about the uh, uh, taking care of foreign documents uh, uh, investigation, because now you can't say, well, you know, President Trump had him in his uh, closet in Mar-a-Lago, and then President Biden had him in his garage next to his Corvette. Uh, it makes it seem to that the entire federal government is very cavalier with how they treat these quote-unquote top-secret documents. You know, I, I think most of us assume that these things were tracked down to the page and probably coded and had a satellite on them and everything else. Like, no, they, they're just papers, and uh, if you don't look for them, uh, you know, some of these Biden documents are from the the 2013, 2014. They've been there for a decade. 
decade. Um, I think that might be part of uh, Biden's argument that uh, as opposed to Trump, he's been willing to uh, give these directly back once they were found. I think he'll probably uh, argue either uh, mistake or maybe he'll have President Obama say that they were declassified and that there was a clerical error something along those lines. But it's just not a good look. Uh, and it plays directly into what the Republicans, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, and others have been saying. The entire Hunter Biden laptop uh, issue now gets even more air uh, pumped into it that they've been talking about for it seems like a decade now. Um, that we are talking about the right wing conspiracy f- uh, sphere. They'll say, well, Hunter Biden was driving Joe's laptop or classified documents while he was making deals with Ukraine, etc. Uh, and, uh, and so this, uh, this is the worst possible time for this to happen for the Biden administration, and I predict it will be the basis of the first Biden impeachment uh, once the House of Representatives gets their things together. Oh, boy. Call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Attorney Daryl Jones, you are in Washington in the middle of it all. Um, how is this looking? Well, good morning, Santita. Uh, let me tell you, you know, it, it looks incredible. Uh, right now from uh, from from my vantage point and let me tell you you know i think that you know what robert and uh and Dwight have both said are, are certainly you know on point with regards to the analysis that's going on here between uh, both uh, the the uh the second batch if you will of documents that were found on, uh, with biden and all of the documents that were found with former president trump and i think that where where we end up and, and as this begins to to shake out uh you know the Comparison is going to be between the political assessment of what's going on between the two in terms of the documents that were found and the legal assessment. If we look at the legal assessment of this, uh, if we're looking just strictly right now at President Biden, I think that what we see on the legal assessment is that uh, at best we have documents that were located uh, on two occasions and this questionable as to whether they knew about both batches when they were revealing batch one or not. But what we know is that, you know, it's a self-reporting thing where uh, where the president's staff or folks uh, found the documents and then self-reported uh, to the National Archives of, of what it was that they've located and, and are turning it back in. Uh, that's the legal assessment. And from that legal assessment, <clears throat> the question becomes, you know, is there any criminal intent that's there? Because if you find criminal intent, then you have crimes that can be charged. And so I think that when Robert Hurd, the special prosecutor that's been appointed uh, out of Maryland, to investigate uh, the, the Biden incident, incident, we're not going to find any criminal intent that's there. We're not going to find a criminal referral I don't believe that rolls out from this. What we're going to talk about probably is negligence and some things along those lines, but nothing that comes close to the criminal intent side of We now compare that and go to the other side, the other column, and we look at the, the President Trump, former President Trump situation. And when we do the legal assessment there, uh, what we see is that the National Archives requested the return of these documents, notified him, we think that you have them, please bring them back. And we have a a willful act to not turn them back in. We have a second assessment that comes from National Archives. And they then then, notify the Federal Bureau of the FBI and say he has documents that we need. The lawyers for Trump are notified, return these documents. 
They return some of the documents, but not all of the documents. They're then notified that you haven't returned all of the stuff. At, at that point, uh, we then get to the, the thumbing of the nose by the Trump folks not returning the documents, and then the action that's taken to, you know, to raid Mar-a-Lago. Well, that's a whole different set of circumstances when we're looking at this legal assessment, because now we know that you know that what you're doing is illegal, that, that now you're intentionally saying, I ain't following the law, I understand what I'm supposed to do. So that's when we get closer on the legal assessment to saying that former President Trump will be charged uh, with uh, or indicted, if you will, for some of these uh, for some of the crimes that he's committed with regards to these documents. I don't believe that same assessment applies to former President Biden. That's the legal assessment. And then, you know, as uh, as Dwight McKeever, I certainly would tell you the political assessment of this is a completely different ballgame because now you know you're talking about you know how the public perceives what's going on, how the parties use the information, how the weaponization of the House of Representatives can now take this nugget and try to run with it to make it appear much larger than what it is with regards to the Biden, uh, the Biden search, the first and the second, and go into it saying he knew about the second batch of documents but didn't want to tell you. So does that mean that he, uh, he now is going into this criminal realm? Because he knew about it, he wasn't going to tell anybody about it until he was forced to because he saw the weaponization coming out and we were going to expose it. So there are a lot of issues that are out there. I think I agree with, uh, with Dwight uh, Holy, where this truly, truly weakens uh, President Biden in running for any type of reelection in this process. Oof, what do you think, everybody? 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. Ashley King, it's wonderful hearing your voice this morning from down there in Memphis, Tennessee. How are you doing, Ashley? I'm doing great. How about everyone else? Oh, great hearing your voice. What's on your mind today? Uh, I think the entire thing about the president of the United States, the sitting president of the United States, having top-secret documents in his possession or not in his possession, however you want to say it. I think it's uh, kind of silly. He's the president of the United States. He's reporting, uh, you know, his people are reporting documents that they think that he probably shouldn't have and giving them to the archive. It's two separate things. I mean, you know, Trump was the former president of the United States who... uh, led an insurrection you know he should have you know he would but but hold on ashley hold on ashley he they both took the documents out as pres as vice president and president it's the same thing same thing i mean and mind you i i you know i said at the top of the show i don't see president former president trump then vice president biden or President Biden walking around carrying documents. <laughs> I don't. I don't see them doing that. I can see them directing. I want you to take this, this, or this. And sometimes, you know, your most trusted staff uh, staffers will do that too. You know, I think that we have to have, make sure that the playing field and the judgment field, if you will, Ashley, is even. Is even. One of my great concerns, Ashley, and I'd like to know what you think, is how these top secret documents. Um, get taken out of the secured spaces where they're supposed to be viewed. I mean, I don't care who it is. That, to me, is unsettling. Ashley? Well, 
I just I'm not sure about how classified documents are supposed to be handled and all that stuff. Oh no, you're supposed to be in a secure spot. Uh, oh, hold on, stay right well, there, evidently, Robert. Evidently, that's not the case. Well, I uh, know it's clearly it's not uh, happening, but that's the way it's supposed. But the, I'm just saying that's the way it's supposed to happen. And when it doesn't happen that way, that's a problem. So it seems to me that we've got some holes that we've got to plug up in our government. Stay right there, Ashley. Robert, what say you? Well, you know, there are foreign spies and operatives in every level of American government. Every room that you've ever been into in Washington, D.C. has a spy in it. Uh, every meeting you've been every to room. in the Capitol, every, yeah, every time you've gotten a cup of coffee, uh, there's a spy there from another foreign nation. So the, well, because of this, um, these documents will be held in these areas called skiffs, these very secured areas where well, you have key card access in and out, uh, facial identification, just to look at some of these documents. So the idea that they're they're being handled in such a way where uh, these Biden documents have been in his house for damn near 10 years. Uh, you know, the Trump documents, they, were, they literally had boxes and boxes of them just laying out in the closet. So the, the question is, if these things are this easy to walk out there, imagine the stuff that China is walking out with on a daily basis or taking pictures on. You know, they, think about those spy movies from the 1960s where they had to descend into the room through an air vent on a rope and take a picture with a little micro camera, all that stuff. Now you just put it into a parallel book bag and walk out the door, and that's all that happens. And I think that we really have to take a assessment of our national security in this country because if it's that easy for these documents to go missing on accident. Imagine the intentional actors of well-played foreign operatives because the uh, it makes sense how the rest of the world is catching so up so quickly technologically if we're not securing any of our top-secret information. I mean, think of Jonathan Pollard. He's been the most damaging spy in our history, and he's been let go. I mean, I'm just, I'm just wondering, you know, wait a minute. I mean, Ashley, I just, you know, and... Uh, oh, where do you think this is going, Ashley? I got one minute for you. Ashley, you still there? Oh, I wanted you. To, I wanted you to engage. I mean, well, I mean, Dwight, where do you think this is going to go? You said uh, vengeance I, was coming with the Republicans being onboarded into power in the House of Representatives. It's all going down to contents, and it's going to be when they figure out why. He had those specific documents. It's going to be the major issue. And once they're able, if they are able to tie those documents into the investigation of Carter Biden and the money he took out of the Ukraine, being on boards of directors for companies that he had no understanding of the function of the companies and the conflict of interest. Uh, in his life and the fact that when they tried to investigate him, his father as vice president went over to the Ukraine and demanded that the uh, investigator be fired to not uh, bring Hunter into that investigation. That's what I think the real problem is going to be is Hmm. that and how much then is his support of the Ukraine in this war, follow-up of the fact that they did, in fact, stop that investigation. I mean, this thing is going to have many layers, and it's going to be really, really, really deep. And I see nothing but 
one major revelation after another coming from this. Wow, I mean, Kareem Jones. Robert. I, mean, I think it's maybe bigger than the Watergate, Robert, by the time it's over. Ooh. Well, you know what, Ashley King? I've got the last 30 seconds. They belong to you before we go to break. Ashley, thank you for calling back down there in Memphis. Where do you see this going? Will this be bigger than Watergate, or will this just be like a pebble in a pond? I don't think this is an important issue. I think it's a complete waste of time. We need to legislate our way to victory. We need to voter registrate our way to victory. We need to uh, point out uh, the real problem, like people having to use an underground railroad in Tennessee to in order to get health care. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we need to highlight those things and not waste our time on Republican talking points. Point. But are these? But are these? But is? But are our national secrets Republican talking points? I mean, I'm no Republican, but it does concern me. Um, I don't that, that, don't know about it. No, no, no. I mean, I'm just saying. If the, you know, anytime something's labeled top secret, and that's what happened here, and that's what we saw with President Trump. Um, that's why I have to take you at your word, government, that this is top secret. And my thing is, it concerns me. People go to jail over this. People, uh, people are sentenced to death over treason, over government secrets. And so it's just, I think it's something that we need to think about. And I don't think it, this is not a partisan issue for me. This is really about patriotism and how we are protected. I mean, we've been talking about our water supply. Do you know how vulnerable we are in the United States? You know, to all kinds of trickery. People can take us out by poisoning our water supply. Just by, by, I mean, we, have, we now have people on, on the so-called far right. We don't know who they are. They're taking out the electrical grid all over the country. A lot of things are happening. And I think we need to pay attention to all of it. Call us at 773-763-9278. Hope you'll join me on Monday at the MLK Breakfast at the Marriott Marquis. Call Rainbow Push at 773-FREEDOM. 773-FREEDOM. I think they have a few tickets left. Of course, Cheryl Lee Ralph will be there, Judge Greg Mathis, and so many others. And so many of the kids we are sending to school. We've sent thousands to college, and they've finished, and they've done great things. And we need your support to continue on with that work. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Friday, January 13th, 2023, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Call us at 773-763-9278. Had some interesting thoughts about what's happening with the Biden documents. This story is continuing to grow. What about George Santos? Should he be seated? You know it's a flippable district, right? You know, they flipped it from the Democrats to the Republicans. Perhaps that's why the Republicans are holding on to him so tightly. He said he'll leave, but only if 142,000 people in his district say so. So I want to know your thoughts about all of it. Matt Soul, 
call up there in at AM 950 Radio in Minneapolis, St. Paul, you need to call us at 773-763-9278. And thank you, Ashley King, down there in Memphis for chiming in this morning. In Chicago, we're going to have a high of 33 degrees. Snow showers. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 21 degrees. Partly cloudy. In the NFL, well... We're going to have the wild card series this weekend. Seahawks versus the 49ers. The Chargers versus the Jaguars. Getting ready for the Super Bowl, everybody. In the NBA, the Suns will be playing the Timberwolves tonight. The Thunder will be playing the Bulls. In the NHL, Chicago 3, the Avalanche 2, the Wild 3, the Islanders 1. Severe weather, even down in historic Selma, Alabama has killed at least seven people. These powerful storms are moving across the U.S., leaving widespread damage and wreaking havoc on millions of people, particularly in Alabama and Georgia. And the floods in California have left a trail of destruction in that state as well. President Joe Biden is now facing a special counsel and investigation. Uh, from Facing a special counsel investigation from his Obama-era classified files that were found in his private office in Washington and his home in Delaware. We're going to be talking about that in just a few minutes, everybody. Tax filing season will begin on January 23rd. The IRS announced on Thursday, but there are still several months to get your documents in order. The official due date is April 18th this year. Food prices in the U.S. remain stubbornly high, but some are seeing some easing. But people saying those eggs are out of control, everybody. Uh, the December Food at home prices increased two tenths of one percent, uh, two tenths of a percent from the month before, according to, to the data released. But people are telling me that it's just I know how much eggs, how much they've risen, and Lisa Marie Presley, while the only daughter of the late Elvis Presley, the former wife of among among others, the King of Pop. Michael Jackson died Thursday after suffering an apparent cardiac arrest. She was just 54 years of age. We all grew up with her. God bless her. And her family released a statement. Priscilla Presley, her mother, and the Presley family are shocked and devastated by the tragic death of their beloved Lisa Marie. Of course, she's been having a difficult time. Difficult time coping with the suicide of her son a couple of years ago. Just wrote a very touching op-ed piece about that. And so we pray that she has peace. She did pass away from a broken heart, everybody. The sheer greed is obscene. Moderna, that's right, the vaccine, Moderna, they are planning to raise the markup for the COVID vaccine by 4,000%, dollars to $130 a dose, after you, the taxpayer, paid for it. You can't make this stuff up. Those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, I want you to get your financial freedom, get your financial house in order, and you can do that with Team Hochberg. If you're purchasing a new home, if you need to refinance your existing home, if you need to secure a VA loan, a FHA loan, if you've been turned down before, if you have overwhelming credit card debt, if you cannot get a credit card, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So reach out to Team Hochberg. Let them know everything with this free phone call to 855 553-DAVID. Excuse me. 855-56-DAVID. 855-56-DAVID. Do what Tom and Sonia did. They had two kids, 17 credit cards, $100,000 worth of debt on those credit cards. That could happen very quickly. And they were struggling to pay their mortgage. They reached out to Team Hochberg. They said nothing can beat a failure but a try. And guess what? Team Hochberg negotiated with the credit card companies so that they were able to get their credit card payments down by almost 3000 a month, more than $2,800 a month. They were able to save their house, help them to secure a loan. That could be you. Call them at 
five six David eight five 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 six David or visit five six David dot com and get on the road to financial freedom. Call us this morning at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three WCPT. Let's talk about the Biden documents. We've been talking about have I guess I want to get I guess we'll get to George Santos next week. I don't know. The Biden documents, Jim Narakis from Fairness and Accuracy and Reporting, and Attorney Mark Fancher, who's joining Attorney Dwight McKee and Attorney Robert Patillo. It's just it seems it's a big deal. John Nichols was on the show earlier this week and he's going to rejoin us at the bottom of the hour. He said this is a big story. How is it being reported in your estimation, Jim Narakis? Well, it's mainly being reported as a he said, she said story with uh, Republicans saying this is terrible. Um, this is a, a, a dramatic violation of national security uh, and Democrats saying that this is no big deal. Um, and not much willingness on the part of media to say what they think is really going on. Um, and I, I think there's there's uh, th- that is a typical way that that political scandals are covered in in our country. Um, the, the media uh, are very unwilling to to show their hand on the scale. They, they don't want people to uh, reading the news to to be aware of how much the media are deciding uh, what is important and what is not. They want they want it to seem like this is just um, you know they're looking out the window and telling you you know what what is wandering by um, with no with no input on their part um, and, and so you get this uh, I like to say that 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 objectivity is really the the opposite of objectivity objectivity with what the what the media calls objectivity is really the, obje- the opposite of objectivity because they're saying that there's no way to say what is really happening. Uh, all you can do is report claims about what's happening, um, and that's not that's not objectivity. That's that's extreme subjectivity. Um, and so, uh, so you're not going to get much help from reading the news about what's really important here. Um, and I think that that when you when you step back and say what is really going on here, the first thing you have to acknowledge is that the U.S. government classifies everything. It's it's a it's a gigantic bureaucracy, possibly you know one, one of the biggest bureaucracies in the world. Uh, it generates endless documents, just you know, like the remember the the, the last scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, mm-hmm. where the where the there's the, the warehouse full of stuff. You know, that's the the that's what the U.S. government generates is is paper upon paper upon paper, and uh, if it has you know, anything to do with the outside world, they're going to classify it. They're going to say this is secret because the the impulse of government is to not want people looking over their shoulder, not wanting the public to, to know what they're doing. And so it, routinely, if you if you make a, a, a document, um, it, it, you're going to stamp it secret. Um, and, there, and there's a whole range of... of Levels of secrecy that you can give something, and I think that you know, in the popular mind, you get you can have an idea from like James Bond, where like there's a, a document, and if this falls into the wrong hands, it's going to be a disaster because it's got the the secret plans that show how you can invade the United States through the back door, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're, you know, the United States doesn't have a backdoor. There, there's not a secret plan that if the uh, if the the Russians or the Chinese or the Belgians found it, uh, the United States could be brought to its knees. Um, the the, uh, the the Russians know what the U.S. military is and and what it does, and uh, the the that's by design so that people who are your military adversaries, uh, you know, don't do things because they know that there's a military there that will stop them. Um, the I think um, it's, it's instructive to think about Chelsea Manning, uh, who I personally consider a hero because uh, she revealed the, the, all the secrets that she had access to as a, a, low-lying, a low-level uh, army personnel. Um, uh, which was some 750,000 documents um, that she was able to download um, and share to WikiLeaks um, because she was aware that, that what was going on in Iraq and Afghanistan at the time uh, was not what was being reported uh, in, the, in the media, that the public did not know the extent of the war crimes that were going on in in. Um, in the, these wars that were being fought in our name. Uh, and so she just downloaded everything she could and and got it out to the public. Um, and first of all, the fact that someone who is, you know, a, a, a random clerk in, in Iraq has access to 750,000 secret documents shows that these secret documents are not particularly... You know they're 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 not protected. Uh, crown jewels. You know it's it's a <laughs> it's a, a, a huge number of, of documents for any one person to be able to uh, to access and then to think of a you know people like to say that you know a, uh, you can keep it a secret as long as only one person knows it right. Hmm. Um, uh, the 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 secrets that the Basically, anyone in the the U.S. Army have has access to are, are not particularly secret. Um, these are are things that you are keeping secret from the public, rather than se- secrets that you're keeping from the enemy. Um, uh, and after they were published, the you know the the U.S. military was understandably very angry. The whole national security apparatus is very angry, and they did extensive. Research and trying to find someone, some problem that they could pin on Chelsea Manning, uh, looking to see some damage that had been done that they could point to and say, "See, this person was hurt as a result of, you know, we we, we were trying to keep these secrets. Uh, Chelsea Manning betrayed us, and and as a result, and they came up blank. They couldn't find the the person that they could point to who was hurt as a result of these secrets being let out." Um, and that's because it, these secrets were not being kept because it would be dangerous to, to let them out. They were being kept because it was convenient for the the U.S. military to have a law that says you can't look at what we're doing. But, Jim, hold yes, on, because we, we play games with all of these secrets. Look at Valerie Plame and Joseph Wilson. May he rest in peace. I mean, Scooter Libby... The chief of staff for the vice president of the United States outed her as an as, as a spy. Who does right. that? 
I mean, I'm just saying that we're not playing the game by one set of rules. For me, this is not a Democratic issue. This is not a Republican issue. This is an American issue. This is. The, 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 uh, there's a, there's a, a system of uh, how you're supposed to keep documents and people who are have signed a document saying, I, I'm going to take care of the documents that I see. They ought to be respecting that agreement. And, yeah. and um, the, 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 the problem with Mar-a-Lago and the, the hundreds of, of documents that were lying around in the, you know, with the pool supplies uh, is not that, you know, the, the, the Ayatollah is going to be snooping around and picking up documents and being like, aha, you know, now I'm going to, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, turn off the secret spy satellites that, that protects the United States. Um, the the problem with with Mar-a-Lago is that the this is government property. He was told to return it, and he basically said, "Sure, uh, screw you." Um, that's the, that's what's going on in Mar-a-Lago. It's not that it's not that the the United States is in in grave danger because of things with a stamp that says "top secret" on them. Uh, are are being are, you know might be might be fall into the hands of the enemy. Well, That's hold on one moment. That- I, you're right. I mean, but I just I think that there's also a problem that these these documents can get out of the secured spaces. It's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And and you know, and we're not. I just I don't see us. I see people getting hurt. Only heaven knows who was hurt or who was killed behind Scooter Libby's outing of Valerie Plain. And we can just keep on going. <laughs> and some, and then Jonathan Pollard, who's been the most dangerous spy to ever spy upon America, he's free. Like, are you serious right now? I mean, I don't understand that. I do not get it. Mark Fancher, your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I, uh, I, I think that there should be no such thing as classified documents. All of it should hmm. be declassified, and it should all be available to everybody. Uh, Biden should be able to have it. Trump should be able to have it. I should ha- be able to have it. Uh, in my house, uh, because historically, uh, the documents that are classified that mean anything are generally trying to hide uh, activities by the government uh, that are in many ways very harmful uh, to people and to countries and to communities and to nations that have historically been powerless. These are secret plots and plans for how to undermine economies of, of poor and struggling nations. These are secrets about how to assassinate, take out a leader. These are secrets even about concealing the identities of CIA agents. And the CIA is an international criminal enterprise, which, and I'd like to know every last agent and who they are. I, I want to know all of that. And to the extent that anybody is concerned about national security, You know, Jesus said, make friends with your accusers. If we can't govern as a country in a way that prevents people around the world from hating us and trying to undermine us and attack us, then we need to rethink how we govern and how we interact with the international community. We need to rethink how we relate to people. You know, most countries, most communities, most even terrorist cells are not going to target the United States if the United States is in the business of building up the rest of the world, of supporting the rest of the world, of respecting the human rights of people around the world, of establishing the United States as a friend and a global neighbor of everybody on the planet. 
And we need to figure out how to do that and to do it without having to keep secrets uh, and to govern in a way that's truly transparent and democratic. So I got no problem with declassifying everything. I think they should be. Hmm. Dwight McKee, your thoughts? Well, again, he's right on the point, as he usually is. I just think that those who want to compare this situation with Biden to, and even with Trump to a lost library book really do themselves a disservice. These papers are taken for very specific papers for very specific reasons. And there's even more strategic and reasons for intelligence. And that when you take these papers, you don't, it's not just about information that you're trying to hold up to. It's also information you're trying to keep other people from seeing. And therein, I think, lies the there there, is that once you find out why you didn't want other people to see this information, I think it's going to be the um, the major problem, maybe in both situations for Biden and for Trump. Hmm. I don't think these are I don't think these are accidental happenstance documents that were taken. I think each one of these documents that were taken had a purpose because you just can't wander out of the uh, these security places undaunted you have to have a process you have to hide these documents you have to choose them and hide them to get them out and then store them where they, uh, nobody else can see them all of these things I think are done strategically with great reason with um, great strategy and I think that once you find out what the motive was for taking these particular papers I think it's where the rubber's going to hit the road. Hmm, Robert Patillo, I've got about one minute before we go to break. Well, you know, I think this is exactly what the new Republican Congress are looking for. This plays directly into their narrative of the quote-unquote Biden crime family. Um, given the content that we know thus far, uh, dealing with Ukraine back during the be- uh, beginnings of the Russian invasion of Crimea in 2014, um, the uh, overthrow of the previous uh, dictator, the later institution of um uh, of the current uh, Vladimir Zelensky now, the unlimited funds that America is sending there, the Burisma deal, this brings all that back up. And if you don't think there'll be congressional hearings on this uh, by the beginning of the week, uh, you don't understand what the goals of this Republican Congress are. And I think this will be the basis of their first impeachment of President Biden. I uh, will have to see going forward what that will look like and what that will mean for the future of his uh, presidential run potentially in 24, uh, 2024. Well, what do you think it's going to mean? Do you see do you see the Republicans going forward with this and keeping George Santos seated, Robert? Absolutely. Uh, uh, we put on a radio show and the Santos story broke. He is politically untouchable because given the slim majority that uh, Kevin McCarthy has in the House, he's never going to demand that George Santos step down for a seat that will go to a Democrat. Uh, so he, for the, at least for this term until he re-election, George Santos ain't going nowhere because he has the support of the speaker behind him. Unbelievable, everybody. What do you think about that? We've got John Nichols coming up to join this fantastic panel. What do you think, everybody? What do you think? I mean, uh, Ashley King said, you know what? This is not the point. Uh, 
we've got many other issues we've got to deal with. And I hear you, Ashley, but I think we've got to deal with all of these issues at one time. There's something called realpolitik, real politics. This is part of it. This is part of it. I just want to know about when you have Chelsea Manning, who's been harassed, who's been treated so horribly, so horribly, really saving the country, letting us know what our government is doing in your name and our names, and, I mean, things with which we agree, disagree. Look at all of the information to which she had access. Think of Jonathan Pollard. There has been no spy who has been more damaging to the United States than Jonathan Pollard. He's free. Think about Scooter Libby, the vice president's chief of staff. Yes, Liz Cheney's father's chief of staff, who outed a CIA agent. Something about this, all of this information gets weaponized. And that's a problem, everybody. And this is a problem. But I think it goes beyond Democratic politics and Republican politics. This is about the safety of the republic. This is about democracy that we say that we want. We need to look at this, everybody. And just ask, what is going on? And how can we secure our documents? And you know what? I hear you, Mark. You know, in a true democracy, you shouldn't have secrets. And if America were really doing all the things that it needs to do to be all that it really ought to be, it would be beloved around the world and not feared. Think about that, everybody. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. We've been talking about um, the Biden documents. The story has grown. John Nichols was on the show, as he is every Tuesday, and he said this is, I mean, it is a died-in-the-wool progressive. Everyone is pulling for Joe Biden to win here. He said, this, Santita, this isn't good. I said, ooh, when you said that, it's like you hit me in my third eye. Ooh, in the middle of my forehead, I said, no, don't say that, don't say that. But it's... It is. It's a growing story. But I think that there are concerns that go beyond party. And I hope that we can grow up in our politics so that we can look be, look beyond party and look at, you know, just how we use information, how we weaponize information and how we're not necessarily being well served by the media. Jim Narakis from Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting was helping us to see some of that. Dwight McKee, social scientist, attorney Robert Patillo, um, attorney Mark Fancher. But let me turn to you um, as I... Uh, open this up uh, to talk to everybody on the panel. But you said you when when the story was fresh, when it was new, John Nichols, national correspondent for the Nation magazine, you said, "Mm," and you know I'm pulling for Biden to win. This doesn't look good. Why did it not look good to you initially? And what does it look like to you now? Sure. I mean, look, I'm simply with everything that's being said here and agree with this, uh, the need to not just report what's going on, but analyze, sort it out, figure out what is correct, what is not, what is a lie, what is the truth, if you can do that, but then the nuances there within. And why I think this is problematic is that, of course, um, a very big deal was made about the documents that Donald Trump had, right? So Americans are conscious of the uh, importance of not taking official documents out of their proper 
chain of command, out of their proper space. And what you have here is a situation where uh, Americans, even if the press is reporting on it, you know, in a better way than usual, right, even if it's doing a good job, who are saying, oh, wow, um, here's something that we didn't think was good when Trump did it. Now Biden's done it. So, of course, that's where it becomes challenging, just in the area of perception. And also, frankly, um, look, we see we will see what all comes out. How, and I've, as I've said throughout this, you have to figure out what's in these documents, how important they are, how relevant they are, you know, what we ought to think about it. That's a, the caution I give. Uh, and it's a basic concept that, um, and maybe, you know, not every side plays fair, but the basic concept is, that if you've got standards, uh, it's important to apply them, right? And it's important to hold to them, uh, whether the party in power is a party you like or whether it's a party you dislike, whether it's ideology you like or dislike. So then let's get to the core of the, of the matter here. Um, this is, and it appears to be an ongoing challenge, right? You're finding bits and pieces, pieces of paper in different places that shouldn't be where they're supposed to be. Um, it needs to be sorted out, right? Figure out what all's there, how important it is. And um, and this is where I would strongly agree with some of what Jim has been saying here, because I heard a little bit as I was coming in. Um, you know, this is a point where we have to be smart consumers of media, right? We have to look at the information we're getting and ask ourselves, okay, is that just the top line? Is that saying, okay, both of these guys had pieces of paper? What's the nuance of it? What goes beyond it? And uh, I will tell you, frankly, this is going to be a real challenge for a lot of our media. Um, it always is. And, um, and it's not something to avoid. It's something to go into, right, to go deeper into it. Ask all the questions. Look at the, look at the details. Look at the information you've got and sort it out. Uh, because if not, then my suspicion is, my expectation is, this will continue to be driven uh, from a media standpoint, by congressional committees, right? You'll have people on Capitol Hill who are, you know, amplifying this at an incredibly high level, and the Biden administration may say, "Oh, well, but that's not the case." You know, here's the here's the detail, here's the information, but it'll continue to be this this sort of ongoing, you know, quote unquote scandal. And the last thing I would say about it is this that I think is important. Um, the, if indeed it turns out that what Biden's done is very minor, right, that it really was just a mistake, like a couple pieces of paper that shouldn't have been here or should have been there or whatever. Um, the challenge we've got is that what Trump did, which appears to be far more significant, a far bigger deal, um, might be diminished in the midst of all this, right? And so one of the reasons to sort this out and get to the bottom of everything and get as much clarity as you can is so that you have clarity about the more serious actions of Donald Trump. So it's not just about Joe Biden. It's also about what Trump did and putting these things in perspective. Hmm. What are you hearing from your callers and listeners, uh, Robert Patillo? Because you've been on you've been on mornings on WAOK all week as well. Are people paying attention to this story, or are they just saying, yeah, yeah? This is one of those stories that's going to have to pick up steam, I think, with the uh, regular Americans. I think right now the, the price of eggs 
is a bigger concern to your average mm. American. Uh, I, I think that particularly going into this new year where there's been so much political upheaval and turmoil, if you look on the international stage, this looks silly. Uh, you know, the uh, president of Peru was just deposed and then arrested, and now there's uprisings in the street. In Brazil, uh, Bolsonaro is on the run, hiding out in Orlando, Florida, uh, while they're going through their own January 6th. You know, there, there's a lot of bigger stories out there, but, but we can't downplay this because as you look at uh, the Clinton impeachment, for example, it started off as an investigation into a land deal. Uh, if you look at Nixon, you know, it started off as you know, this uh, listening in during re-election campaign, etc. These things have a way of, of gaining legs and finding, uh, and gaining their own wings and kind of getting out out before themselves. So I think as Republicans now, the, the re- also the reason it's the worst time that could happen for uh, for Biden is that now Republicans have the gavel and Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to be in charge of investigating this and there's going to be hearings and there's going to be uh, uh, investigations and millions of dollars put behind trying to make a connection between these documents and Hunter Biden's laptop and if there's any connection there uh, well then that's going to be the entire story of the summer going forward so it's nothing to poo-poo at it's just it's going to take a while for it to pick up Mm, I mean Dwight McKee where do you see this turning do you see this You've been saying that you think that this is going to turn into something bigger. Oh, yeah, and I think all the guys are directly on point with it. I think, again, we kept, we're dealing with the uh, process rather than the content. And this is going to come down to content. Why did he take these documents and none other? What was his purposes and how they connect with his own personal interests? to have this information protected. And uh, I think that if we don't understand that part of the storyline, Okay, I'm hearing something in the background. I think someone's outside. That of almost the 200 countries in the world, mm-hmm. that he just happened to take documents from the Ukraine and from... The, the UK and from Iran, if you think that that was an accident, then you don't understand politics. You got another thought coming. So almost 200 countries in the world, why these particular documents on these particular countries? That's well, where the problem is going to be, Robert. Well, and, and John Nichols, it was interesting that that was the first tranche of information that they, they said they found. You know, they didn't say they found... You know, the plans for Bo Biden's funeral, God rest his soul, you know, family weddings and things like that. They went right there. The me- the media went right there before I get back to Jim Narekas. They went right there. Sure. And, of course, they're, they're going to do so. And, you know, this is one of the things that we've seen for a long time. And, and Jim, obviously, has done tremendous work in this regard with Bear. Uh, other media analysts have as well. And that is... The tendency of our media uh, to be very, very excited about trying to, you know, find something bad on both sides, right? And it's sometimes referred to as both siderism. Like everybody does it, and there is a desire to create the impression that, um, you know, oh, here's something bad. That means it's just as bad as what the other guy did. Uh, that makes does two things. Number one, uh, it makes for headlines, etc. Maybe it gets a few clicks and ratings. Number two, it also creates the impression, oh, well, this is fair media. It's, it's being responsible. They're covering everybody in the same way. 
that's not really fair and responsible because if you make something that is potentially minor into a big deal, um, you diminish what really is a big deal. And so, again, as I suggest, this is a this is a real testing point for media. Uh, of course they should look at this. Of course they should go in and figure out you know, every detail, get things right, get to the bottom of it, uh, talk to the president, talk to aides, et cetera, do the whole bit. But um, they don't do, you don't do that to try and say, oh, you know, everybody's a bad player. What you do is to try and put things in perspective. And that's really one of the things that we are losing increasingly in media in America, and that is a sense of perspective. And the loss of that sense of perspective feeds a cynicism that actually can be, you know, very undermining of democracy. It makes people think, oh, I can't trust anybody. And so uh, this is going to be a challenging time. Again, I think we go to the bottom of it, find out every detail, figure out what's right, what's wrong. Uh, my sense is that at this point, there is a huge difference between what you're hearing about what President Biden did and what former President Trump did. But it is media's responsibility to get that right. And I will tell you, for much of our media, that'll be a challenge. Hmm. Jim Narakis, will this be a challenge? Where do you expect the media to go with this? Will they um, engage in both siderism? Everybody does this. Well, I mean, to an extent, that is true. Uh, but will we ever get at what, I mean, the, what, I mean, what are the real issues? How should the media be handling all of this? Well, I, I think that the, the media... They, they have a, a sort of cult of secrecy um, because it is very much to their advantage for the, the top media outlets to act as though there were vital secrets that are being held at the top of the government. Uh, because to be a top reporter means that you know the, the top people at the, the top of the pyramid and you have their ear, they, they have your ear and... They, they will whisper to you the, the super secret thing, and you can publish it in your, in your newspaper or uh, on your website, um, and, and you show that you are an insider because you know the secrets that other people don't have, and that's what you get paid for. Um, and so this idea that, that there's all these secret things that, that we don't know about that are um, vitally important is part of the whole mystique of... of Washington and, and Washington reporting in particular. Um, and, you know, the, uh, the fact is that most of what is going on is out in the open. Um, and uh, if you look at the, the documents that are published, you could pretty much figure out, for the most part, what is going on in, in Washington and whose who's back is being scratched and, and whose interests are being served, um, which is the, the, the key thing of of what reporters should be doing, um, you don't need to, to have access to secrets for, for the vast bulk of, of that important reporting. Um, but, but to pretend that the secrets are, you know, that was part of the reason why, why there's so much hostility uh, towards people like Chelsea Manning, uh, towards people like Edward Snowden, even as they're like winning Pulitzer Prizes for these papers. Um, you still have the Washington Post uh, calling for Edward Stone to be put in prison, the guy who won the Pulitzer Prize, uh, is because they are sort of tearing the the uh, the curtain away and saying these secrets that that 
are treated as so important, the 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 things that the uh, our top reporters are are dribbling out in in little bite-sized pieces to you. Uh, they're really there's there's not a vital necessity to keep these things hidden from from the public. Uh, you are the ones that are are being kept in the dark by by secrecy, not not some enemy that we have to um, hide our, our vital uh, plans from. We're we're hiding, you know, to the extent that that secrecy does serve a purpose. It's to protect the government from democracy. Hmm. I you know what? If, if you saw Santita, oh, sorry, yes. Sure. Go ahead. If I could just jump in to back up something that, that Jim is saying here that's really important. Um, I have Stone, the great investigative reporter. Yes. Back in the 1950s, for a variety of reasons, he didn't have a lot of security clearances. And yet he broke some of the biggest stories of that era. Stories about, you know, what the tobacco companies were doing. Stories about what the government was doing in all sorts of really, you know, nefarious ways. He didn't do it by finding state secrets he did it by going through the actual records he literally would go over to the archives to other places and just read through what was available to any citizen but that most citizens don't have the time to review and and so what jim's getting at here is a really important part of the job of journalism the job of journalism isn't to like you know always to be waiting for some you know official player to give you a, a, a secret document a so-called secret document which they want you to have because they think it will benefit them politically. The biggest, most important thing I think that journalists do is to look on a daily basis for all of that information that affects the great mass of people. And often that's not stuff that people of either political party uh, is running around peddling. It's stuff that, that is um, maybe a little bit hard to find because it's buried in all the, the paperwork. But if you find it, it reveals, of course, um, the roots of economic and social and racial injustice, of environmental devastation, of a military-industrial complex that does, you know, horribly destructive things, and and it is problematic when we get overly excited about, um, you know, this notion of official secrets, and under excited, too little excited about mm-hmm. basic details of what is often done in our name but without our informed consent. Amen to that. I mean, but that goes to your point, Mark, about no secrets. <laughs> you said, wait a minute. In a free and open society, you know, we are imperiled here. Mark, your closing thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And I, I think that um, I think that the real critical issue is, is one that Dwight McKee has, has raised. And that is why these documents, you know, in Trump's case and Biden's case, I don't think either of them just sort of randomly said, oh, I like, the, I like the packaging on this one. I like the color of paper on this one. Let me take it. There's something in the documents that means something for them. And uh, to the extent that there is any integrity in journalism, and that's you know, hard to find in a corporate media where they, their agendas are driven by corporate interests and what's best for their owners and, and the establishment, but to the extent that there is any integrity, that's the story that needs to be pursued. You know, what, what is it about these things that made it important for these men to have these documents in their possession? And uh, they should hone in on that. Uh, they should get to the root of it, and they should let the rest of us know about it. 
And in the meantime, as I said, I think everything should just be declassified. And if that scares government, if that scares people uh, about the implications of it, then they need to just change their ways. Hmm. A, a, a true, a true democracy should never be afraid uh, to let the world know what it's doing. Hmm. I'm going to get closing thoughts. Yes. Donald Trump. Sorry. Sorry. Pardon me. No need to apologize. I'm just going around getting closing thoughts. Your point, yeah, no, sir. Jim. Oh, I was just going to say that um, uh, the idea that Donald Trump w- like like knows what these hundreds of documents say uh, and is keeping them for a particular reason is giving a lot of credit to Donald Trump. Uh, Donald mm-hmm. Trump famously would not listen to his morning briefings from the, the, the CIA because he found it boring. Uh, and the, the CIA had to put in nice things that foreign people said about Donald Trump into the briefing in order to get him to pay attention to it. He has no idea what these documents are. He just had some stuff that he got from the government, and it made him feel like a big man because he had secret stuff from the government, and he didn't want to give it back. That's the story of Mar-a-Lago. With, hmm. with Joe Biden, he, because, because there's a, 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 a virtually everything that you read in the government that is connected to foreign policy is deemed top secret. Uh, some of the documents that he had were, were, uh, were classified. Uh, when he found some, when some turned up, he turned them in. You know, he could have shredded them if he wanted to, and no one would have ever heard about them. But he turned them in because that was what the rules said you're supposed to do. Um, and it is really not very, very different from returning a library book. Sure. But somebody should have known that these documents were missing, I guess, from, with all of them. And, 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 you know, some hay should have been raised. But uh, closing thoughts from you. One minute, Robert Patillo. Well, I think the biggest thing that I, I think is going to come up also is the timing issue. That is, the first batch of documents, they were able to find those before the midterm elections, and no one said anything until January. Uh, with these other documents that were in Biden's garage, how long did he know they were there? And why is it when the Trump documents came out, uh, he didn't come out and say, oh, well, I got some documents at home also? Uh, that, that, or the Bidens are trying to make the argument that, well, the President Biden turned his over immediately. He, he investigated them immediately followed the right the uh, the right protocols immediately. Uh, well, that's kind of undermined by the fact that some of these have been in his possession since 2013 and 2014. So, uh, so I think it's, it's going to continue to uh, spread and metastasize. I think Republicans are going to take them all and run right now because this is the best news that could have ever happened to them coming up out of the speaker fight, coming out of George Santos, coming out of their inability to run the federal government. This finally changed the subject. Mm, Dwight McKee, one minute. Donald Trump didn't read library books. Come on, y'all. I mean, he, he has a specific interest in these papers for specific reasons because he was trying to control the world government. And these, this information was uh, a tangible information in his pursuit of running the world. Biden was trying to protect his family in a situation that is that he had to overthrow a government to protect his son. These are not random documents. In that library book, that, 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 to compare them to going in the library, taking Ben-Hur, is absurd. 
Mm. Closing thought from you, John Nichols. You got it. My thought is that what we've entered into is a period where we are being reminded that an immense amount of documentation, immense amount of information, is labeled secret or you know, official, off the record, whatever, whatever stamp they put on it. And a huge portion of that doesn't need to be uh, kept secret. Some of it maybe does. And what we need as a country is a much better standard that clarifies who has access to information, when you can take it, when you cannot, and a, a good tracking system. Look, we live in a, in a society where, uh, you know, computer companies really track everything, you know, we do on the computer. They can tell, they can look at every, every email we send or, you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, and it's somewhat absurd that the federal government uh, says, oh, but we don't know where these documents are. It, mm-hmm. uh, it is time to revisit this all and figure out how to have a smart, fair system so that we don't end up in situations where, you know, we have all of this speculation and all of this uncertainty about who has what and why they have it. My love to my whole panel. See you at the MLK Breakfast on Monday morning at 8 a.m. at the Marriott Marquis. And uh, January 26th, the mayoral debate right here on WCPT. Please, everybody, is going to be on all the platforms. And we will be... Uh, We'll we'll have all of the candidates. You don't want to miss it. I love you, everybody. I'll see you on Keep Up Alive with Reverend Jesse Jackson, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time on Sunday on iHeartRadio. God bless you, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you, panel. I love you. Love y'all. Thank you, Paul, for a great show. Bye-bye. 